All right, well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5, 11, we are continuing in our series on the book of Hebrews uh, this morning. Today is week 5 of this study. And so if you've missed any of these, if you've been out, if you're our guest today tuning in or on and here, you can go to our, uh, we have an app, by the way, you can download our church app, you can go to our, our, our website, podcast, Facebook, any of those places, YouTube, catch up on any of, of, of the messages that you've missed. So in week one, I laid the foundation for the series of Hebrews by giving you the background of this book and an overview uh, of the whole book. And in week two, we saw clearly how Jesus Christ is greater than angels. We also saw the first of what he, the writer of Hebrews gave us five warnings about drifting away from the word of God or turning away from the word of God. Week three, we saw how Christ is greater than Moses was also the second of those five warnings about drifting away from the word and really was a call to remain faithful, an encouragement to remain faithful uh, to the Lord. And then last week, we saw how Jesus Christ is our perfect high priest, really, and the subtitle could have been, you know, greater than Aaron, right? We saw how he's greater than the angels, he's greater than Moses, and as our perfect high priest, he's greater than the, the first high priest, Aaron, right? And so um, so today we're going to continue on. The passages that we're going to study today are primarily today, though, dealing with spiritual growth and the lack of it in believers. And so he kind of takes a little a little turn here. Uh, as we've seen earlier in this series, as he gave us an illustration, Israel, the people of Israel wanted to go back to Egypt after they got delivered from their slave in Egypt. And as a result, a whole generation failed to inherit what God had promised. They were safely delivered out of Egypt, but they didn't get to enjoy the promises of their rest in the land of Canaan, in the promised land. You know, as believers today, we got to make sure that we don't make the same mistake. We can make the same mistake. Listen to me, church. If we get comfortable, complacent, and don't continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord, which includes obedience to his word. So the writer of Hebrews shows us some signs. We're going to look at two main things today. Some signs of spiritual immaturity and then the call to spiritual maturity. So I'm calling this message today a call to spiritual growth. So let's first look at the signs he gives us right here. We're going to go line by line through these verses. Uh, signs of spiritual immaturity. And, and, and it's found in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Says this, there's so much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. How many of y'all could, that are parents, is like you think about that with your own kids. And, 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 uh, in Cajun French, that's called tête de, right? Hard head. You don't seem to listen, right? Come on, right? You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. We want to continue to grow in your word. We want to mature in our walk with you, our relationship with you, and our faith. Like God, we want to continue to learn and apply sound doctrine from your word. So Holy Spirit, help me as I preach your word today. Help us all as we hear it, that we would not only hear it and receive it, but most importantly, apply it uh, to our lives by the grace of God in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. 
So after beginning to discuss Jesus' appointment as high priest, as we talked about last week, the Arthur confronts his audience with a series of exhortations. It's like he takes a turn. Now, this kind of shift in a sermon or a letter was meant to focus the hearer's attention. So he talked about all this, and then now he likes, he's like, he stops or turns and says, hey, I got more I want to teach you about this. Actually, I'm going to show you in a minute. Specifically, but I don't think you're ready for it, he's saying. The writer is about to continue the explanation of the heavenly priesthood of Christ in chapter 7 when he starts talking more about Melchizedek, which is going to be in two weeks. Pastor Rob's actually going to be preaching uh, next week, uh, and so he's going to continue on. And then chapter 7 in two weeks, he goes. He, he has a whole chapter where he talks about Melchizedek and, and, and explains more about uh, uh, Christ as, as heavenly priesthood. And so, but he's not sure if his readers are ready to hear what he's about to teach. See, the problem is not that the teacher or the writer of this was dull. It was because the hearers were dull. See, the word translated dull here in, in uh, uh, Hebrews 5.11 is translated slothful in Hebrews 6.12. It refers to a condition of spiritual apathy, negligence, and straight-up laziness that prevents spiritual development. That's what that word means. Apathy, negligence, and laziness. It's not that like, oh man, life's hard, life's busy. No, he's saying, because you're being lazy. That's what he's saying. Amen. So what are the signs of spiritual immaturity? Let's go through them. Dullness towards the word. Let's read verse 11 again. There's so much more I'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually, remember, apathetic or lazy or negligent and don't seem to listen. It's not that they were hard of hearing. It's because of their negligence or their passivity or their laziness towards their walk with Christ and, and the Word of God. See, these believers started on their backward journey, so to speak, by drifting from God's Word, which we saw Hebrews 2.14. And then they started doubting God's Word in Hebrews 3 and, 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 and chapter 4. And then as a result, now they're dull and unable to listen to the Word, receive it, and act on it. You know, they act, had the opposite you know, uh, 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 reception or, or attitude towards the word that the Thessalonians had. Look what Paul says about the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs his work in you who believe. Paul, on this hand, he's encouraging, like, man, the Thessalonians, they received the word, they were growing in the word, but you know, here, these Hebrew Christians, and again, you remember the whole context is that they were tempted to go back to Judaism, the temple was still in operation, priests were still sacrificing, and so he's like, hey, you're getting apathetic, and it's because of, of, of a lack of spiritual growth. See, one of the first symptoms of spiritual regression or backsliding is a dullness towards the word of God. It's dullness. Remember, it's, it's apathy. It's laziness towards the Word of God. Now, I'm just going to say this in general, not just about this church, but when life group becomes dull to you, the preaching of the Word becomes dull, or anything else is spiritually dull, the problem is usually not with the person teaching or preaching. It's with the believer himself. Thank you, Blue. Amen. And that's basically what he's saying here, is that, you know, people, you know, blame on this and that. And sometimes it can be, of course, people teach... Hit my word of the month, wonky. Well, I guess it was last month. Wonky stuff and often. I'm not talking about people that's teaching false doctrine and crazy stuff, but just people that, are, that, that they complain about certain things and what they like and don't like and, and whatnot. It, it, and they, they, they project it on the teaching and, 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 the, and the life groups, 
But really the issue is with the person. That's what the writer's saying here. The issue's not with me, it's with you. He said, I want to teach you further things, but you're not able, you're, you're, you're still immature. You're not able to receive it right now because of this. And remember, that's what that word means. It's a negligence. It's a laziness towards the word of God. Amen? So again, that's not always the case, but I'm just saying here is what the writer's trying to say. So that's the first sign of, 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 of spiritual maturity. It's a, it's a lack of wanting to grow in the word or even reading the word and, 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 and whatnot. It's, it's negligence and, and apathy and even laziness. Secondly, inability to share the word. Hebrews 5, 12 uh, says this, you have the first part of it, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. See, the ability to share spiritual truth from the word with others is a mark of maturity. When you're able to start sharing the word and, and teaching the word to others, it's a mark of maturity. See, not all, I'm not saying that all Christians have the gift of preaching and teaching, but all can share what they've learned from the word of God. Everybody can share something that you heard from the word with somebody else, one-on-one with someone. You can, as you begin to learn, you begin to share, right? And even we say that even as myself. I'm growing as I'm learning, as I'm studying Hebrews more. As I heard one preacher say, I go and, and, and it's the word of God is the bread of life. I go and I eat and if it tastes good, I feed it to you, right? When somebody's cooking at your house or at somebody else's house and it tastes really good, what do you say? Oh man, you got to come eat Mr. Aaron's gumbo. It's so good. You got to taste this, right? You know, some people have a weird thing like, oh, this is disgusting. Taste it. Like, I don't want to taste it if it's gross, right? But if it's good, it's helping you. It's changed your life. You're growing. A sign of spiritual maturity is that you could begin to share with others. And he's saying that, that there's, there, they should be teaching or sharing with others. And we weren't able to do that. Think about this in the context of sharing. The hardest lesson for children to learn is the, the lesson of sharing. Isn't that true? You could see immaturity in children when they have eight toys around them and a kid goes to grab one toy and they freak out and they grab it from them and they start screaming and yelling, right? A child has to be taught to share. Well, spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. If you're not able to share, it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. I'm not saying lead a life group and some of you may be called to that and you're not doing that. Some may, look, for man cave, uh, none of the pastors are preaching. For all six weeks, it's all going to be men of God that are that are lay leaders in the church. Nathan's going to be preaching one time on worship. The rest of it is all guys that have been called to preach the word of God, feel called, and want to share a word with the men of the church. That's a blessing. For me as the pastor, that's a blessing. Is that they, they've grown and they are growing and they're learning and they want to share God's word. And, and Cassie's going to have the same thing. There's be ladies sharing as well that are not staff members here that are also gifted and have the ability to share God's word. See, the recipients of this letter had been saved long enough to be able to share God's truth with others. Instead of helping others to grow, these Hebrew Christians were in a need of learning again the simple teachings of the Christian life. See, the application is that Christ's love in our hearts and the power of his word operating in our lives must overflow to others. We must continue to grow so we want to share. Again, it goes back, not that we have to share, we should want to share God's word. We should want to be able to share from an overflow of what's happening in our lives already. It's, it's not even like, oh man, I better get a, in a good Bible study and learn the Bible. And it is good, but I just find that from the overflow of my daily reading, I come across someone, I talk to somebody, and the Lord reminds me of scriptures that I've just been reading. Something I've been studying. It becomes the come up out of the overflow. Amen? And that's what he's talking about here. So as you grow in 
we should be able to share. And I'm going to just take this the third but straight out. The, the third sign of, uh, of, of um, spiritual maturity is that uh, uh, you're on a baby food diet. You're just eating baby food. That's not my words. That's the writer's words here, right? Hebrews 5, 12 and 13. Instead, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do right and wrong. And that's what it comes down to. The basic things about God's word that, that the New Living says here literally translates the first principles of the oracles of God. That's what he's saying here. See, the milk, I'm going to tell you what that means. The milk of the word he was referring to is what Jesus Christ did here on earth. His birth, his life, his teaching, death and burial and resurrection. The meat he's referring to, remember I said this earlier, of the word is things that refers to what Jesus Christ is now doing in heaven as his high, as our high priest. Remember, that's why he said, I got more to teach you here. He talked to him about the high priesthood of Jesus, but then he pauses and says, hey, I want to go into some more of this, but I don't know if you can handle it. Like, you know, the basics of Jesus's death, burial, birth, life, teaching, death, burial, and resurrection, but there's more for us to learn. He said, but I, I'm afraid you can't handle it because you're, you're, you're still on me. The writer wants Wanted to give his meat to them, but they weren't ready for it. See, we begin the Christian life on the basis of Jesus' finished work on earth, but we grow in our Christian life on the basis of his unfinished work in heaven. Amen? We begin with the, 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 the work, and I'm going to get to that. We, don't, we, we never go past that. We still grow on that. We still continue to learn. But that's what the right, I'm, I'm bringing this into context for you. That's what he's saying, and that's the application for us as well. As I said, now, even the most mature adults never outgrow drinking milk. How many of you still like to drink milk today? Right? Let me see. Okay. All right. So, right, we still drink milk, right? You don't, you don't outgrow. <laughs> One person just put their finger like they were gagging, but okay. So, we never outgrow drinking milk, right? We don't stop, but you move on to more solid food. And that's what he's saying too. So we don't, it's not like, oh, we're past all. No, you continue to learn and you continue to absorb and, and grow even in that, but you should move on as well. As believers, we could still, there's much to learn about the Lord's work on the earth. Amen. When you read the gospels, I mean, there's so much in there in every book of the Bible, right? I heard one theologian say, I don't even try to, uh, you know, understand the mysteries. And he's one of these great men like Spurgeon or one of these guys. I forgot exactly what it was, but he said something along the lines. I don't even try to figure out all the mysteries of Revelation. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the book of John, you know, and just there's so much there, even about Jesus's life on earth. But but we shouldn't stop there. Amen. We must make spiritual progress, and one of the ways we do this is by learning about Christ's priestly ministry to us in heaven. As we talked about last week, and as I'm, a, we started last week, and I'm going to continue on in two weeks. And so that's that's the context. But the general application is we must continue to grow. We never stop with the basics. We continue. We can learn from the basics, but we build on those as well, right? It's kind of like you know a foundation. You start with a foundation of a of a house. But you, the house don't end there. You build on that house, but you can't remove the foundation once the house is built. You still need it, right? You need the foundation. There's, you might have to repair and go back to the foundation or add to it or whatever. It's the same way with the Word of God. Y'all clear? I want to make this clear because I, I don't want I don't want spiritual pride to come from this as well. I, I didn't even plan on saying that, but I'm just trying to make sure you understand what I'm saying. It's not that like, oh, you know, we you know, I'm, I'm past that. Well, no, we don't ever get past anything in the Word of God. Amen. We don't get past anything. We every single word, every verse, every chapter, every book applies to our lives, but we must continue to grow. Amen. See, it's sad, but possible that 
a Christian could remain in infancy all their life. Always needing help instead of helping others. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you today. That's what the writer of Hebrews were writing to the Hebrew Christians at the time. And what I'm trying to encourage you today, we must continue to grow. Amen? And then lastly, unskillful in using the word. That's the, the fourth sign of immaturity he lays out in these verses. Hebrews 5.14, the solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. As I read that, you would think that, that some things are even, that are very easy to figure out what's right and wrong. Even as I read this verse, in the day and age we live in, people are trying to complicate that more than ever before. What's right and wrong? What's good or evil, right? Which the Bible talks about that, that they would call good evil and evil good. Are we not seeing that at a, as a crazy level today, right? See, being able to, Excuse me, being able to recognize the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, is a defining characteristic of spiritual maturity, is what the writer is saying here. As we grow in the word, we learn to use the word in our daily life and apply it to help us develop spiritual discernment. See, it's uncharacteristic of a little child to have discernment, right? And I'll prove it to you, because they will put anything in their mouth. Isn't that right? A child doesn't know that does not belong in your mouth. They just grab anything. If they see it, 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 you know, they put it in their mouth. Why? Because they're babies. Because they're young. They don't have discernment. As you begin to grow up, you realize, like, even a spoon, you're like, is this spoon clean? It looks like there's something on it, right? I don't want to put this in my mouth if it's not clean. As you grow, right, you discern more things. We have to continue to discern, and we use the Word of God. If you stay in an infant state, and you don't, you're not learning the Word, growing in the Word, then you don't have discernment, especially in the day and age we live in. Because the world and so much of the media is trying to tell you that everything we've always thought and believed in with the Word of God says is right and wrong is flipped now, and it's opposite. And listen, I'm not just saying this as a hypothetical illustration. I have seen people who have grown up or got, got grew up in church or were born again and knew the Word, were leaders in church, and they begin to doubt some of the same things that are in the Word because of outside voices. And we've seen it. We've seen that. My wife can attest to that. We've seen it happen. And why? Because they started listening more to the voices of the world than the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. And that's why we got to continue to grow spiritually so we can discern what's right. Some of it, again, seems very simple, but we need to continue, see, to, to do that. Just as our physical bodies have senses we need to, that we need to function, right? We smell, we see, we hear. We also have spiritual senses. Look at this. Think about this verse, Psalm 34 and 8. It says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, we can't physically see the Lord, and we can't taste them, can we? I can't be talking about physical senses, right? No, it's in the spirit. Taste and see with your spiritual senses. Well, how do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Well, you experience him through his word, by his spirit, through your relationship with him, right? He's talking about your spiritual senses here. As we feed on the word of God and apply it to our lives daily, our spiritual senses get their exercise and become stronger and sharp. The apostle Paul likens this process to training for godliness. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. But have nothing to do with irreverent uh, folklore and silly myths. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Keeping yourself spiritually fit. For physical training is of some value. Some translators said it is good. It's good to exercise and all that. But godliness, spiritual training, is of value in everything and in every way since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. 
when you discipline yourself spiritually, physical training helps you to grow, right? Just like when you have physical training, you maybe as an athlete or you, you're trying to grow your muscles in the gym, right? You do that through discipline and training. It's the same thing when it comes to us discerning right from wrong, good from evil, applying the word to our lives. See, the nation of Israel and Moses, they lacked this discernment and failed to claim its promised inheritance. The readers of this letter were in danger of making the same mistake. We've been talking about that. They were tempted to go back to Judaism, go back to the temple, still there, still in operation. And that's what he's telling them. Don't get complacent with the gospel, with the word of God that you know, and go back that way. See, I've said it before. It's impossible to stand still, church. You're not going to just stand still. You're either going forward and you're going to claim the promises, the inheritance of, of, of Canaan, of the modern day, our life in Canaan, or you go back backward and you wander around aimlessly. There's no neutral in your walk with the Lord. Some people say, I'm just coasting. There's no coasting. Either you're going forward or you're going backward. You know, my wife and I uh, uh, met with a lady recently and she gave me permission to share this. But by her own admission, uh, she had went through some very, very difficult times. And, and, and for a while, for a good season of her life, uh, she said that, man, it's like I... I just couldn't see. I was like, I couldn't see clearly. Now, she likened it to not being connected uh, to the local church and being under covering. But she said that. She actually used that, that, that. She said, it's like I was walking in the right room, like still pursuing the Lord. But I was just in the right room, but just kind of walking aimlessly, not seeing things clearly. And she likened it to, again, getting connected. That's a whole nother thing, right? We're talking mainly about the word of God. But God has given us many resources. His word, the family of God, discipleship, life groups, outreach, right, fellowship. This is all part of us growing in our maturity with the Lord. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. So we need to continue to be in the word, apply the word, but stay connected to the local church as well. You know, I read <clears throat> I read uh, about a preacher who said this. Most Christians <clears throat> are betweeners. They're betweeners. They are between Egypt and Canaan, out of the place of danger, but not yet in the place of rest and rich inheritance. He went on to say, they're between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, saved by the blood, but not yet enjoying, this, enjoying the newness of resurrection life. Are you a betweener? You may be sitting here watching and you're saved, but you're not yet living the newness of the resurrection, of the resurrected life, of the freedom that we're in. Amen. Come on, church. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. If you're a betweener, come on, let's get out of that state. Let's move forward. This is a call to spiritual growth. This is a call to break complacency off of your life. Ask God to break complacency off of your life to move forward. And as we transition, you know, that's what I want to talk about in the second part of this message. Obviously, he uses the baby, uh, an infant, as, a, as an illustration. We all come into this world as babies, right? That's the way it happens, right? Because that's the only way to get here. But it's tragic whenever a baby fails to mature, right? It doesn't matter how much... Parents, and I know like, you know, my wife still does it, right? Our youngest is 13 and my wife still like, oh, I just want to hold the baby sometimes. As much as, especially you mamas and grandparents love to hold your baby, your grandbabies. Every adult, every parent and grandparent wants to see that baby grow up to be a mature, thriving adult. Isn't that right, parents and grandparents? Would you agree? We love those babies, but, but you know, we don't want them to stay babies. What's even worse is that, you know, you wouldn't have a 40-year-old man with a mustache sucking on a noonie. That would be weird, right? <laughs> right? I mean, that would be totally weird. So, spiritually speaking, what he's saying is that there's some Christians that are like that. 
As weird as that picture was, and as some of you laughed and some looked at me like, that's gross. Why did you give, put me that image in my head? That's what he's saying. Some people could be saved for 40 years. And still they're not developing. They're not growing, right? See, just as we have the desire as children for, as parents for our children and grandchildren to grow, God has the same desire for his children. He's calling us to spiritual growth. So let's look at that part, the second part of this message, the call to spiritual growth. Let's start in Hebrews, and we're going to go down now and beginning, continuing in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, 1 and 3. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of the hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. So he goes on. So let's look at a few aspects as we wrap things up today of, of, of a few aspects of spiritual growth, of progress. He's calling the, the Hebrew Christians of the day and us today to continue on. So what, what are some aspects? One, well, spiritual growth means progress. Obviously, that's, that's easy. You're making progress, right? Hebrews 1, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 6, 1 literally means, therefore, have, having left once and for all the elementary lessons of the teachings of Christ, right? When we were in kindergarten, all of us learned our ABCs and our one, two, threes, right? And we all learned it when we were little, right? And we needed that. We needed our ABCs so we can read words. We went from words to sentences, sentences to books to anything else. But you don't keep learning the basics, right? You use the basics to go on to other things. And that's what I was trying to say earlier too. You use the basics, even the earthly ministry of Jesus, all, you don't, you don't do away with those. You still got to use your ABCs and one, two, threes today, but we use those basics to continue to grow in, in, in our academics and just talking. I know if you hear me preach, you're like, Brandon, you still got a ways to progress and you're talking in English and I'm trying, right? But we continue on. You see, the phrase, let us go, should be translated, let us be carried forward. That's what it means. Let us be carried forward. It is God who initiates growth in us as we yield to him, receive his word, and act on it, right? Just as the Lord draws us before we get saved, we come to repentance, right? We surrender to the Lord. He initiates it. He begins to carry us through this growth. Again, let's go back to the baby illustration. A baby does not grow itself. A little baby can't feed itself at first, right? The Lord carries us. The Lord uses other people to feed us, to help us, to carry us along in that infant stage, right? And then even with a baby, right, the way that the, that the Lord put in to work our human bodies as a baby eats, and at first somebody has to feed him, but then he begins to eat, rest, play as that baby plays, a toddler plays, they begin to grow in their strength, they're using their functions to grow, right? And then they begin to uh, progress, and gradually a baby matures into a full adult. Just like a baby, it should be normal for Christians to grow. It's normal, but it's abnormal for them to stay in the same place. It's not, it's not normal to just be where you were 20 years ago or even 20 weeks ago. I'm not saying everybody, you know, you, you should have a, a, you know, a, a, a Bible college degree, but there should be some progression. I'm going I'm to get into what some of that looks like in, in a minute, right? So in verse 1 and 2, the writer lists six foundational truths of the Christian life 
which, by the way, were foundation to the Jewish faith as well. The first two items he mentions is repentance and faith. These are Godward and mark the uh, initiation of the spiritual life, right? To repent, many of you know, to literally repent means to change, some, change your mind, change one's mind. It's not just simply a bad feeling about sin, because that would be regret or remorse. Just, I feel bad about it. No, repentance means to change your mind. And once you change your mind about it, you change your direction. You turn from sin, and then you turn to Christ, right? Once a sinner has repented, he's able to exercise the faith in God. Repentance and faith go together. That's why he listen together, right? We put our faith in Christ. We repent of our sins. The next two items, baptism and laying on of the Laying on of the hands have to do with a person's relationship with the family of God. So the first two is directly to your relationship with the Lord, how you initiate, how you first get saved. And then he goes on to our relationship with the family, with the church. In the New Testament, a person who repented and trusted Christ was baptized and became a part of a local church. By the way, as you heard, we're having a water baptism next Sunday. Pastor Rob's preaching, but I'll be here uh, and I'll still be, I'll be baptized in the second service. A mark of spiritual growth is obedience. If you've been saved for any amount of time and you haven't been water baptized, if you want to continue to grow, you need to be baptized. Nothing special about the water. It's, it's city of uh, the LUS water, whatever it is, right? But it's, it's, it's faith. You're stepping out in obedience to continue to grow and show that you're, you're, uh, you've been obedient. You're surrendered to Christ, right? So why the water itself can't cleanse sin? You know, just really short, you learn about this in Next Steps, and we've done teachings. Baptism is a symbol of spiritual cleansing, as well as our identification with Christ in death, burial, and resurrection. It's symbolic that we've died. We've gone, some people call it the watery grave. We die to our old man, to our old self, to our sinful ways, and we come up a new person. We've truly been born again, right? A new life, and it's identifying with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Then the laying on of the hands, and the, the New Testament was associated with healing, blessing, receiving of the Holy Spirit, or the setting apart of a person for ministry. The last two items, the resurrection of the dead and the final judgment, have to do with the future. First, it was our, our being born again, our relationship with the Lord, and then with the church. Now he's looking at the future. These two, both Orthodox Jews and Christians, believe these doctrines. But the Old Testament teaches a general resurrection but the doctrine is not clear in the Old Testament. The New Testament makes it clear and teaches a resurrection of both the saved and also a resurrection of the lost as well. I'm going to read more about that going to 1 Thessalonians 5. We talked about the resurrection in detail. See, the lesson in Hebrews 6, 1 and 3 is clear. We've laid the foundation. He's saying, you've laid the foundation. You know your ABCs. Now it's time to move forward. It's time to build on that foundation and let God carry you along to maturity. The great thing is, y'all, we don't have to do all this ourselves. We put forth the effort, but it's the Holy Spirit working in us. He's carrying us. He's helping us to grow in this as well. Amen? So let's keep moving. Hebrews 6, 4 and 6 now. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who, have ex those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who have turned away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Yeah, you're right, Luke. Wow. This is one of the most difficult verses in the New Testament. Not only difficult because it's straight up, but also difficult uh, because many Bible scholars and students over the years have come up with several approaches to this passage of Scripture. 
I know I've looked at this scripture in one way for many years. So again, as I did a couple weeks ago, I'm going to give you a couple different views of, of what the writer may be saying here. One view is that the writer is warning against the sin of apostasy, which is willfully turning away from Christ and returning to the old life. According to this, that would be such a person, what this is saying, would be lost forever and would, would not be able to come back to repentance. A second view is that he was referring to maybe a certain sin or a group of sins that could be committed by the Hebrew Christians only in the first century while the, the temple services was going on. I didn't write it down. Another one that it could actually be a hypothetical. There, there was actually quite a few. I, I, I put four of them down here that it could be a hypothetical thing. Like he made a hypothetical circumstance or a person. If this happens, that's impossible to come back to repentance. Cause you'll see in a minute, he later goes on to say, but brothers, I don't believe this is you. I don't believe you're going to do this. I believe you're, you're, you know, appointed for better things. Another interpretation of this verse notes that in, 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 especially in the New King James Version, Hebrews 6, 6 uses the words crucify and put. It says that they were crucifying the Lord over again and putting him to open shame or to public shame. In the Greek, those are both present participles. So it really would read while they are crucifying and while they are putting him to open shame. Now, this is this is a, a kind of in the middle of the road view that I would see here. This view implies that the writer was saying that they could not be brought to repentance while they were treating Christ Jesus that way. While they were putting him to open shame, while they're living a sinful lifestyle, they couldn't be brought back because they were. But once they stopped the grace, the, uh, the disgracing Christ in this way, they could be brought back to repentance and renew their fellowship. And then lastly, which I disagree with this one and most scholars do as I look. Some people do say, though, that this person was never truly born again uh, and, they, and they turned away and whatnot. But I think if you read the verses, it makes it very clear they were enlightened. They partake in the Holy Spirit. These were born again believers. So after all of that, However, you may look at this scripture, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of it. I do believe I continue to show that there's multiple, multiple warnings. We read them already. There's going to be more. I'm going to actually hit on one at the end here at, at chapter 10. There's a constant warning and encouragement not to turn away from the Lord because we're going to lose something. There's a constant turn, like saying, hey, listen, whether you could be bring back to repentance or not, because I truly believe a person can be saved, can backslide, but I believe there can be restoration. So I'll be honest with you. If I believe that, then I, I, I wouldn't believe that that scripture means total apostasy and never be able to be restored. So this is my conclusion. So many different trains of thoughts on such a serious passage. I'm convinced if we don't turn away from God, we don't have anything to worry about. Amen. 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 I'm encouraging you to grow and to, to, to move forward and to seek the Lord. You got, I'm telling you, you got all kind of great theologians and Bible scholars, and they have different takes on it. I'm going to read one of them as I, I was reading um, a, a theologian, Andrew Murray. He says this about this specific verse. He says, the argument is one of unspeakable gravity. I'm like, tell me about it, brother. I got to preach this thing Sunday, you know. It is in the Christian life as it is with progress and difficulties. In commerce and study and war, it's often said that no, there's no safety but to advance. To stand still is to go back. To seize effort is to lose ground. To slacken the pace before the goal is reached is to lose the race. The only sure mark of being true Christians, of our loving, really loving Christ, is our deep, longing, and steady effort to know more of Him. He says, tens of thousands have proved that to be content with the beginning well is but the first step on the backward course that ends and losing all. 
So listen, Andrew Murray didn't think that this, this hit, one of his view was not of apostasy where those people could be like never turned back to God. But when I read that, he has a good middle of the road. He's, he, he's believing people could be restored, but he continues to write and say, listen, the only safety and knowing that you're truly saved is that you continue going. Is that you continue growing. Is that you continue to seek the Lord. Amen. And I think that's the safe route for all of us to take, right? Is that we continue because I believe the Lord can, if anybody repents and turns back, can be, can be restored. So the whole thing that, the, that this brother was saying, our writer, our brother in Hebrews, is that we need to continue to make progress. Amen? Amen. Secondly, spiritual growth results in fruitfulness. Hebrews 6, 7, and 10. And when the ground sows up the failing rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it up. So again, you read that, it's like, okay, I don't want to be burned up, right? I don't want to be cut off, right? Dear friends, and this, this is, goes back to what I was talking about this previous scripture. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love for him by caring for other believers as you still do. See, maturity results in fruitfulness. Thank you. Maturity results in fruitfulness. Is your life producing fruit? Has your life changed? Do you look different than, than when you first began? The illustration of the farmer's field is similar to the parable of the sower uh, that Jesus told in Matthew 13. A field proves its worth by bearing fruit. You know if the ground's good or not if something's growing on it. You can look at soil and it can look the same. You really know what is good or not once the crops begin to sprout or sprout at all. That's how you really know. It's fruitfulness, right? A true believer as he grows spiritually bears fruit that glorifies God. How do you know it's fruit? Well, is it giving God glory or is it giving you glory? Our fruit should give God glory, should testify to Christ more, should want people to know the Lord more, right? That's what fruit is. The crop of God's blessing pictured in Hebrews 7 is called things that accompany salvation in, in Hebrews 6, 9. Now, every believer don't, that won't produce necessarily the same amount of fruit. Jesus tells us that, in that later on in that parable. Matthew 13, 23, and the one who seed was sown on the ground, the good soil, I'm sorry, this is the one who bears the word and understands it and grasps it. He bears fruit and yields some a hundred times, some 60 and some 30, right? He shows we all need to produce fruit. Don't, you can't compare yourself like, well, man, I, I, I'm never going to produce as much fruit as Pastor Todd produced. Well, no, you might not, but that's okay. Some 30, some 60, some a hundred fold, right? Just like the talents, right? Some were given 10 all the way down to one, right? So, but every believer should produce the same kind of fruit that is proof that you're a child of God. Well, what's the proof? What's the fruit that you're a child of God? It's found in Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. This is Christian character and conduct, and it's produced by the Holy Spirit as we mature in Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. How do you know you're growing? Are you increasing in all of those things? Are all those things lacking in your life? Are, are, are those things getting worse in your life? You may say, well, it just depends on what day of the week you ask me, right? I think we all feel like that sometimes. But you'll see that kind of fruit being produced. And again, when you're patient and you're loving and you're kind, when you're going through tragedy or when somebody curses you out, that glorifies God. It's easy to curse back at somebody in the flesh 
But when somebody's giving you a hard time and persecuting you and, and lying about you and making all kind of slanderous remarks, how do you respond? If you respond with love and patience and kindness and gentleness and most importantly, self-control, that glorifies God. Come on, I'm preaching to myself and I'm getting convicted all at the same time. Come on, we all need to continue to grow, right? We're all on the journey. And by the way, if you've been saved two days or 20 years, we can all still grow. We should continue to be growing in our relationship with the Lord. The writer of Hebrews goes on to list some of the fruit that he knew had been produced in their lives in Hebrews 6.10. Because of their love, they had worked hard for the Lord, they cared for other believers, and he was saying they're still going to do so. So we encourage you to do the same thing today. We encourage you. Listen, and I love that scripture. I always look at that when it says the Lord will not forget how hard you work for him. Amen. You go on a long mission trip to Africa, right, Alyssa, and you do things that you've never done. You serve in the Lord. It's hard. You do this kind of stuff. Hey, the Lord takes note of that. The Bible says he will not forget how hard you work. Amen, Miss Babs. I think about her and Brother Francis started this church, right, over 40-something years ago. They worked hard for many years. Amen. I know she can look around and see the fruit, and the Lord does not forget that. Amen. How hard we work. How hard, you know, was uh, uh, we serve the Lord. And he encouraged you, keep doing that. Serve week's a great opportunity, y'all, as I'm talking about this. He's saying, look, the Lord won't forget how you loved and cared for people. We got an opportunity every day. But as a church, we try to, we try to provide opportunities as a body of Christ together. Serve week's going to be another great opportunity to show that we love and care for those in our community. Amen? And verse 9, the author, again, he had just confronted the, the, the readers with this stern warning. But then verses 4 through 8, he softens the warning, giving them, saying, dear friends, and expressing his confidence that uh, them continuing to do what the Lord's called them to do. So he, he concludes with encouraging them to not rest on their achievements, but to press on to full maturity and enjoy God's rich inheritance. So we'll wrap it up here. The last thing is spiritual growth demands diligence. Spiritual growth demands diligence. As I just quoted Andrew Murray, it's not how you start the race. You can't be content with beginning good. You're like, well, man, I used to be on fire. Well, that used to be is gone. Where are you today? It demands diligence each and every day. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. Our great desire, listen to the word, the verbiage here. Our great desire is that you keep that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. While it is true, as I mentioned earlier, that translates God carries us and helps us as we mature, as believers, we must do our part. Remember, the word slothful, lazy, and dull is the same word. And it applies to not only the word of God, but like the resources God has given us, like the body of Christ, right? That's why he listed those, those fundamental, those foundational things, right? We can't be lazy or negligent with these things. Through diligence and focused commitment, we can make our hope in Christ absolutely certain. Assurance of salvation comes through perseverance. Some people believe, hey, you say a little, that's why I try to encourage you, say a prayer, I'm going to heaven. Well, no. You know what? If your life never lines up to that, right? They call that fire insurance. Some people just want fire insurance. They say a prayer, they walk out of here. That's why I try to always say, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. It's your faith in him. It's your repentance. But as Andrew Murray said and many others, we got to continue. Jesus said, those that endure to the end shall be saved. It comes with endurance and diligence. So by loving God and others, we follow the example of these great people of faith. And the author puts a great deal of emphasis on both faith 
and endurance. We keep our faith in Christ, but we have our part to play to be diligent to work alongside. Remember, even the great commission, it's both of us. We're, we're, we're in commission. We're linked up. We're yoked up with Jesus. Take my yoke upon me, Jesus said. You're lo- yoking up with him in your personal spiritual growth. That bleeds all over into the great commission and everything we do. So I'll close with the scripture. Close in Hebrews 10. I'm jumping over to 10, and I referenced this earlier, but I, I want to end it with, with a scripture in Hebrews about endurance. Hebrews 10, 36 and 39 says, Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. You hear the verbiage is the same. It's not just one-time thing, a little while. Endurance, you have to continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised you. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Here's that again, pointing to a warning not to turn away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction, We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Let me ask you a question. Well, first of all, let me make a statement. He's coming back again. Our great high priest, our perfect high priest, he's coming back. Soon and very soon, I believe, as well. So when he comes, are you going to be found as one of his faithful ones? You you may say, well, Brandon, at one time I was faithful. That's great. But he's coming for the ones that are remaining faithful. Those that endure to the end shall be saved. All right? And just like the rod, I'm encouraging you. I believe that's you. I believe you continue. You're going to continue on. I want to encourage you to continue on as he did. But will your soul be saved? Have you been saved? You know, I was talking to a brother in the church and, 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 and actually led over to, I was with a friend this weekend who's in ministry, and we talked about the same scripture. We were talking about it. I ran, I ran some of these scriptures by him too, as well as Brother Francis. A lot of these men of God that know the word. I'm like, man, it's a tough one, brother. What's your thoughts on this, you know? And then truly, we're actually not saved until that day. Our souls are sealed right now. We're secure. But that day, either when he comes back or we breathe our last here, then we'll truly be saved. From the, from the eternal punishment that was, that was never meant for us. But again, you notice how it says they turn away to their own destruction? People are destroyed and, and are separated from God because of their own choosing. They turn away to their own destruction. They've turned away. They've made a decision that I don't want to serve Christ either ever or anymore, right? But again, Jesus made a way that we can all spend eternity with him. So, Have you been born again? Are you one of the faithful ones, first of all? Have you remained faithful to the Lord? And have you been born again? Would you bow your heads with me, close your eyes? I just do this out of respect for others and reverence for the Lord. He's coming and he will not delay, the Bible says. If he comes back today, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? If that trumpet blows today and that sky cracks open and he's ready to call home those that that, that are his children. Are you going to be counted as one of them? If you say, Brandon, I don't know. I'm not sure, man. I, I, you put it in that light. I don't know. Will you spend eternity with the Lord? Or, 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 or will you be living in eternal destruction, as the scripture says? If you're not sure, even if you're watching online, you say, Brandon, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if, if, if the Lord came back, if the Lord called us up today. Read Thessalonians. Talk about the resurrection, right? We caught up in the air, known as the rapture. If that happened today, you said, I'm not sure if I'd be one of the ones going up, but I want to make sure today. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. If that's you, just slip up your hands and say, man, I'm not sure, but I need to get right today. Over here, to your hands in the back. Amen. 
Even if you, right here in the middle, even if you watch it online, over here to my right, more, more hands going up. Amen. I see your hand, young man. Praise God. Anybody else? Come on, I lift them high. Be bold. I, I, not only for me to see the Lord, he sees your heart, but it's a sign of surrender. Come on, let's all pray together as family and all those, also those that just recently raised their hand. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. I repent of my sin. I turn to you today and I surrender to you. Lord, I ask that you would help me to continue to grow each and every day by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for loving me and saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, can we rejoice and celebrate with these that made that decision today? God bless you. If you're watching online, you can click the connection card link. You can fill out a connection card in the chair in front of you. Go to the info center. We got a free Bible we'll give to you. My wife and I would love to meet you and pray with you. Would you stand up with me? We'll open up the altars here as well. If I can get the pastors and altar ministers to come down. If you need prayer for anything along these lines of something, something stirred you today. Come on, how many of you would say, you know what, Brandon, I want to be found faithful. I want to remain faithful to that. I want to continue to grow. Come on, can we pray a prayer as I bless y'all leaving to say, like, I want to continue to grow. No matter where we are, we can all grow spiritually. Amen? Maybe you need to repent today because you've been spiritually dull and indifferent. Maybe towards the Word or, or even towards the preaching. Even here, you could come in and out of church and still the Word of God has no effect because you haven't applied it to your life or taken it seriously. Come on, let's all pray together. Father, wherever we are in here today, I, I hope that now everyone here has been born again and put their faith and their trust in you. But Lord, we know that's just the beginning. That prayer, that repentance, that declaration is just the beginning of the journey of spiritual growth. Lord, you've called us in your word to continue to grow spiritually, to mature. Lord, we don't want to stay like God just on milk. We want to move on to solid food and meat. We want to use the foundations of your word and continue to grow on them, Lord God, and to develop. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us. If we become hard-hearted all towards your word or towards, Lord God, the church or towards others that are trying to help us, may we have a desire, a strong desire to grow in our relationship and our walk with you and our faith and obedience to your word. Lord, I pray you help us, that you would carry us along, as your scripture says, Lord God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you help us to continue to, to, to grow in you, to know you more, love you better. Lord God, draw us closer to you and closer to each other. As a family, may we sharpen each other, Lord, for Thrive Nights and Man Cave. But during this summer, may we sharpen each other as we fellowship and grow with one another. We thank you, Lord. We love you and bless these as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. Have a great day today. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be down here. God bless.